Amen, amen, amen. Thank you, team. I think you sing it better than the Aussie band that, made, uh, that created that song. Man, when I get on that part of the album, on this song, on the treadmill, you should see this 74-year-old really running hard. I love the song. You know, most asked questions by believing disciples of Jesus, the most asked question is, how do I know the will of God for my life? And that question actually grows in intensity in times of transition. Uh, I'm going to come back to that very important in a minute. Uh, some time ago, I read that any seminar or conference or a gathering that would have advertised their title for their theme, discover, discovering the will of God for your life or discerning God's plan for your life or uh, how to know God's will for your life, they said it sells out completely on the first day. <laughs> As I said, individual believing disciples of Jesus, when they're going through uncertain times uh, or transitory times in their personal life or corporate life, the question, this question grows in its intensity. For example, if a single person wants to know what the will of God for him or her, whether to marry or not, uh, if they should marry, who they marry, and um, when to get married, others who are in the middle of a career change and they feel a sense of uncertainty, they're experiencing the challenge in, in their own current situation, don't know what the next step may be. Uh, they, they wonder, what, 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 is it time to move or to stay? And if they're going to move, is it going to be out of town or in town? And, and, and the list goes on. Also, this applies to students, some of you who are considering college. Lord, what college would you have me go to? And, 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 and many others who may be considering full-time ministry, and they want to ask, Lord, is that for me? Is that what you're calling me to do? They all want to know. They want to know the when and the how and the where. Now, I can testify to you today that I have been through all of that in my life. So whatever I'm going to share with you today is not theoretical. Trust me. Um, it's not only that I'm going to share with you my successes, but I'm going to share with you my failures. Because I learn from failures sometimes a lot more than I learn from successes. Please listen to me. I'm also aware of the fact, having now been preaching for 50 years, I'm aware of the fact that there are some, few, thank God they're few, not many, but few, but still nonetheless they're very important, who literally go through life feeling they're in turmoil, lest they have messed out on God's best for them. They missed out on, on, on God's will for their life. Thankfully, they are few, but they are there. 
and they go from preacher to preacher and a counselor to counselor and a conference to conference feeling that they have missed out on God's perfect will for them. I pray to God, and I've been praying all week, I pray that by the end of this message, the Holy Spirit will give you absolute peace as you trust that our God, our God is the God who overrules. And that when even you make a move and you think in your mind you made a mistake, I pray to God that you understand that the sovereign God can even take those mistakes and in His economy, He'll bring bring you to His perfect will. But only one requirement. Now, notice that it's going to be focusing on all day today. Only one requirement, just one. God will do the rest. Only one thing is needed. Uh, There are several times in my life when I've experienced intense uncertainty of which way to turn, where to go, how do I know the will of God for the next step? Uh, Many years ago, I was going through one of those stages in my life, and a friend of mine told me about a friend of his in Texas who actually can close his eyes, and he'll discern God's will for you. (laughs) Be very careful. I remember that as if yesterday, many, many years ago, and I was young and not as discerning, and I was desperate. And the man literally closed his eyes and he said, God wants you to do this and this and go to that place and do this and do this. And I did. And the door was slammed on my face that spiritually speaking, my nose is broken. As I said, spiritually speaking, because the physical one, I still have it in horrific proportion. <laughs> Again, I was not as discerning, and it turned out to be bogus. Turned out to be bogus. Be careful, my beloved friends. Be very careful for others who would tell you God's direction for your life. Most often, these folks are either deluded or they manipulating. And I'll. Always remember back in 87, 88, the church was small. We just started and we've been going for a year or so. And, 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 and every Sunday after the service, there was this young lady who would come up and hand me an, a note. Almost every Sunday, maybe she missed one or two. Almost every Sunday, she handed me a note What God Would Have Michael Do. That was the title of the, on the envelope. So I'd, take it, I used to wear robes back then, and I'll stuff it in my, sometimes I forget to read it, sometimes I read it. And finally, I was talking to one of my colleagues, some of you remember, dear old Dottie Wagner, went to be with the Lord many years ago. She was working and helping us and counseling with women, and uh, finally, I, I would give them to her, and she said, look, you need to tell this lady not to give you these messages. I said, okay. So finally, I picked up courage. One day, she was coming and handing me a, a what God would have Michael do. I said, no, I'm not going to take it. Next time the Lord gives you a message for me, tell him to talk to me directly. (laughs) I talk to him every morning. Now, we have been for the visiting with us, we've been exploring 
uh, the required curriculum for a disciple of Jesus. Whether you're a disciple of Jesus or a discipling others for Jesus, these are the required. They're not elective. <laughs> these are the required, only four in number. I'm summarizing them. Or sometimes I call this discipleship 101. We saw, first of all, the sovereignty of God and how the sovereignty of God is the axle around which all his other attributes revolve. Then we saw very close to it, very close to it, uh, to the sovereignty of God, is being wholly different, uh, the holiness of God, and how God wants his disciples to be wholly different from the world too. He wants us to be holy because he is holy. And today I'm going to talk to you about the guiding hand of God. The guiding hand of God. The very first thing I want to tell you is this. The Word of God makes it absolutely clear from cover to cover that living in turmoil regarding your wanting to discern, you want to know the will of God for your life is not of God. Living in fear and worry and anxiety and terror almost that you have missed out on God's best for you, that is not from God. Our God is a God of perfect peace and contentment. Can I get an amen? amen? All you need to offer God is willingness to obey. That is the secret. That's the one thing I told you you need to do. Willing obedience. Let's, let's say that together. Willing obedience. I'm going to come back to that again and again because that is vitally important. Uh, because all he wants is willing obedience. He will do the rest. He will do the rest. Now, let me get very practical. <laughs> you know, I always get to where the rubber meets the road about the guiding hand of God. Let's say there's a person who has willing obedience and said, God, I am willing to obey whatever, whatever you do, whatever you do in my life, and genuinely mean it. Uh, they truly want God to guide them and lead them in a certain uh, situation they're in. They are genuinely wanting to obey the will of God in their life regarding a move or a situation or whatever it is. Then God opens a wide door, wide door, and they are genuinely, sincerely believe that God opened that door, so they walk through that door. Whether that door whether that they walked through, they're in there, long time, short time, doesn't matter. But they walked through that door. Are you with me so far? But then, once they walk through that door, believing that it is the mind of God and the will of God, lo and behold, a second door opened for them far greater, amazing possibilities. It is, it is so great. Uh, they have so much peace about it, and they want to walk through that second door. What normally happens, listen to me, and I'm going to show you from my life, what normally happens, because I know human nature, <laughs> at this point, they're thinking, right at this point, they're thinking, oh, I shouldn't have gone through that first door. I should have waited for God. I should have persevered. I should not have been so rash to go through that first door. 
Oh, Lord, I'm sorry that I went through that first door. I should have waited to, until you opened that second door. This is so fantastic. This is really great. I should have been more patient, God. I should have waited for the second door. Why did I do this? Why did I go through the first door? Lord, forgive me. I made a mistake. Right? Wrong. 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 Listen carefully, please. Listen carefully. You did not make a mistake. If you genuinely believed that God was guiding you through that, that first door, and you moved through that first door, why do you say I'm saying this? Michael, why are you saying this? Because often our sovereign God knew that you would not have come to that second door had you not gone through the first door. Are you with me? I'm sounding like the guy at the price, of right, uh, price is right. <laughs> door number one, door number two. Now, <laughs> hang in there with me. <laughs> I'm going somewhere. For reasons only known to the sovereign Lord, he knew that you could not have come to door number two without going through door number one. <laughs> Even though the second door is so far superior. Again, let me illustrate from my own life. Now that there are many years have passed through that experience. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. If you were aware, uh, not the year you were born, but that you're aware of that particular year I'm going to mention, that you're aware of it, whether you're 10, 12, or I know this is a young congregation, but uh, also thank God for those my age. <laughs> 1967. How many of you were really up and kicking in 1967? Nine, oh, good. Praise God. Well, God you all did what I thought. Okay. For those who have raised their hands, I want you to raise your hand if you remember something called the Six-Day Wars in the Middle East in 1967. Oh, praise God. Uh, you, you follow the news. All right. Now listen to the way God taught me what I'm sharing with you today. Prior to the Six-Day War, I was absolutely certain that it is the will of God for me that God is calling me to come to the United States of America. After all, I was desperate to escape from a socialist dictatorship. I have to chuckle at some of the young people who said, oh, socialism, it's great. They're mostly kids with trust funds. <laughs> They don't know what socialism is if it's offered them for breakfast. <laughs> I was suffering under socialist dictatorship, and I want to come to the land that Reagan calls the last best, last best hope for mankind. But halfway through this process, halfway through the process, the Six-Day War broke, and the American embassy closed. I'm halfway there, and I was confused. I was truly confused, as any 18-year-old can be confused. I was confused. A friend of the family who was aware of what's going on inside of me, and I still remember to this day, Jacques, he, he, he called me. He said, you know what? I want you to come with me. I'm going to pick you up, and you and I are going to have tea with the Australian ambassador. I said, who? He said, it's a heady stuff for an 18-year-old, right? Don't you agree? Have tea with the Australian ambassador. He said, I really think you need to think of settling in Australia. 
but I know what God said. He said, look, just do this for me. So immediately I thought, I'm going to miss out on God's best for me. I'm going to miss out on God's will for my life. I, 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 should, have, I, I should have waited. I, I should have knocked on the door a little harder. I, I, I may have, if I waited a little longer. And the Lord reminded me at that moment that only a few months earlier I said to the Lord, I go anywhere, I do anything. See, I know how it works. See, that was the moment when I stopped running away from the Lord. I said, I surrender. So, after the phone call, I went to the, my geography books, and even though I was not a bad student in geography, I didn't know where Australia was. <laughs> I had to get the geography book, look in the map, where is Australia? <laughs> Before I have tea with the ambassador. <laughs> Reluctantly, I went with a family friend and met a very nice gentleman as the Australian ambassador. Beloved, God knew that I could not go through door number two until I had walked through door number one. It wasn't a mistake. Let me tell you, this is the most blessed detour I've ever been on. It, the, 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 the blessing is incalculable. It was a priceless blessing. Even though I did not see it that way at the time, I did not see it that way. That's almost 56 years ago. Not only that, but I went to one of the greatest institution, Bible seminary in the world. I'm telling you this. I love so many Americans. So now I'm involved. I spoke to seminaries. We, for 13 years, we gave uh, 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 all the space possible for RTS, Reformed Theological Seminary, here in the, and we help seminaries. We, I preach in seminaries in America, but I can tell you right now, after all these years, I believe that I went to the most solid biblical training I could have ever had anywhere in the world. I didn't see it that time. But that's all, it's not all. That's fantastic. That's great. But that was not all. The third week, the third week that I landed in Sydney, I met a beautiful red-headed young woman. God knew she's the perfect one for me. I get to the bottom line. <laughs> what was God doing to this disciple? I'm sure you've asked the same question. What was God doing to you? To you, you as a disciple of Jesus. You who wanted to genuinely do the will of God in your life. What is the Lord doing, and I can tell you, he continues to do. Listen carefully, please. 
he was beginning to teach me to fully trust him and to trust his guidance. He was teaching me to totally trust in his guiding hand, even if I didn't understand it, even if it did not make sense at the time. He was teaching me to inwardly be willing to obey him in the times when I don't understand his ways. Now, beloved friends, I believe the Lord wants that of every one of his disciples, to fully trust him, even when they don't understand what's going on, even when they can't see the full picture. And listen to me, I'm always up front with you, okay? You cannot learn this from a book. And I've written, I'm I'm writing, writing my 53rd book. I've written lots of books, but you cannot learn that from books. I have preached nearly 1,400 sermons. You cannot learn that from a sermon. You cannot learn this from a conference or a seminar. You cannot learn this from asking people, what's God's will for my life? Can you help me discern the will of God for my life? No, 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 no. You can only learn this from practicing willing what? You can only learn this by experiencing and understanding and comprehending God's character, God's sovereignty, God's holiness, and God's pattern of guidance. Say, Michael, well, how can I start with this? Oh, I'm so glad you asked. (laughs) I want to tell you, by remembering, first of all, where you are right now, where you are right now, where God has placed you is His will for you. You know, I remember back in the 80s when so many business young, young executives are going through this behavior modification seminar. Some of you, the oldies, will remember that. Behavior modification. We all, I went to this seminar, behavior modification. And then God guided me to a book by Charles Spurgeon, Lectures to My Students. And I remember reading this, and he said, God brought you into the family that he brought you in, good or bad, for his purpose, that God placed people in your life, good or bad, for his purpose that God opened doors for you in the past, whether it be long or short, whether good or not, it doesn't matter. It is for His purpose. He's building you. Uh, He has given you your DNA that He has given you for a purpose. God brought you through the flood and the waters that you wish you didn't have to go through for a purpose. God allowed things in your life that you don't understand and you wouldn't have chosen for yourself for purpose. Can I get an amen? Amen. And unless you're sinning, and that's a whole different topic and I'm not getting into that, unless you're living in disobedience, unless you're living in continuous sin, and and I have only one word for you, (laughs) and that's repent. Repent. 
But I'm talking about just a general good, loving disciple of Jesus who really seeking the mind of God. That's who I'm talking to. You are now placed where you are, whether you want to be there or not, for a purpose. And until his guiding hand opens another door and moves you through that door, stay where you are. Psalm 25, verse 9. He guides the humble in what is right, teaches them his way. Now, let me give you a Yusuf paraphrase, okay? He guides the obedient, that's interchangeably, to the right way and teaches them his perfect will. Now, I could give you countless verses, but what I've been doing in this series, I'm trying to focus, get you just focused. So I'm giving you one verse at a time. I'm focusing on this particular verse. I pray to God, go, when you go home, just drink deeply out of that verse. The one before it, no one after, but, but drink deeply in verse 9 of Psalm 25. Beloved, listen to me. God's guidance uh, in a disciple's life is built on what? Willing. Built on what? Well, you got better. Built on what? Now that's better. When you begin to develop willing obedience, you will not waste a second in your life uh, doubting His guidance. You would not waste a second in your life uh, wondering, have I missed out on God's best for me? Uh, have, have, have I missed out God's will? Or, 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 you, you will not waste a second in your life worrying. What's the next step? Listen to what Jesus said in John chapter 7, verse 17. I'm going to come to the context in a minute. He said, if anyone chooses to do God's will, he will find out whether my teaching comes from God or I spoke of my own. A use of translation. If anyone is willing to obey God's will, he or she will have discernment. Remember this. Jesus was speaking to a bunch of Pharisees who were not discerning, the least discerning group of people. And he said, have they been discerning, they would have recognized him as the Messiah, their Messiah. They would have recognized Jesus' authority. Question. What do we need to do to discern the mind of God and the will of God and the guidance of God in our lives? What is it? I knew you were going to get it by the end. Get what? I've learned a few things along the way. Not my, only my own life, but the many lives that I've pastored and ministered to on three continents and uh, people that I have been privileged to minister to. few things. Now, I don't want, I, 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 here's before I say that, I'm probably put, putting thoughts in your head, but <laughs> I want you, by the time I tell you, if the cap fits, wear it. If it doesn't, just toss it out, okay? You want to know, know what it is? Most people, 
secretly, most people, they will say, oh, I want to do the will of God. But in reality, they want God to do their will. <laughs> they want God to bless their plans. <laughs> that God would come around to their thinking. That God affirms their desires. Listen, I talk to enough people. I talk to enough people to really, who really, really, really would tell me, I want to do the will of God. I want to do the will of God. So I ask them a question. What's the problem? Oh, I, I, I want out of my current situation. I want to, one guy actually said, I want out of my marriage. It's miserable. I want out of my current job. I'm unhappy. God never promised you happiness, by the way. He promised you holiness. I want out of my current circumstances. Uh, I, I want to marry this particular person. Uh, I, I want to have this particular business deal because I know what it's going to do and I can, I can give tithes to God. <laughs> Beloved, please listen to me. I've been through all of that myself. And that is why I'm able to say to you and to them, of course, when I talk with them, you just told me that you want to know God's will for your life, right? Right. Yes. Then how on earth can you not discern that you are right now, where you are, is God's will for you for now? No, 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 Michael, you don't understand, you don't understand. I I'm miserable in the current situation. So you want God to agree with you. Oh, they don't like that one. A while back, I, heard, I read a story about a, a, uh, an architect who designed homes for living, and, and, and he said his clients will come to him, and they ask him to design their dream home. They tell him exactly what they want. And, 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 and so he designs it exactly at their specification. And he said, some of my, now he said not everybody, but some of my clients come in and say, we totally want to change their design. He said, what they want me to do is sanction their plan and their design. Ah, <laughs> oh, but that's what we often try to do with God. Here's my will. Oh, I don't like this one. I don't like this one. I don't like this one. You ask for wisdom and guidance. But you want them to agree with you. <laughs> Surely we, you know that if you read my book, Trust and Obey, all of our new members get to read it, the story of my life. I am not a stranger to experiencing miserable situations. If, if you read, you understand what I'm talking about. It's a miserable situation I wanted out of. But as I look back with the gift of hindsight, I discover that the reason God permitted me to be in these circumstances, to be in these situations, sometimes longer than I wanted, is because He wanted to teach me some important things that I could never have learned any other way because he wants to train me to trust him and to obey him, because he wants to mold me, because he wants to test me. Beloved, listen to me. 
God does not have to, does, does not obey us, we obey Him. Our sovereign God is in control of us, we are not in control of Him. Our sovereign God moves things in our lives for our good as He sees it. And it's always, when you look back, I cannot think of a thing that I did not want to do that was the will of God for me. And I look back and I said, thank you for not letting me have my way. We saw in the scripture, the last message, that the will of God is your what? Sanctification. The will of God is your what? That's God's will for you. And when you come in the process of sanctification, you're going to easily discover and discern the will of God for the next steps. In fact, Romans 12, 2 tells us that. In Romans 12, 2, uh, the apostle is saying that sanctification will enable you to test and approve the will of God for you. Only through sanctification will you be able to discern God's will. And Paul said, it is pleasing, it is perfect will. Anything that hinders your sanctification, growing more like Christ, anything that hinders you being wholly different, like God is wholly different, is not of God. Here's some questions that you can ask yourself when you're facing one of those situations. Let me just share them with you very quickly. Is this the best way for me to serve the Lord? Is it consistent with the Word of God? Will it enable me to imitate Jesus? Do I have confirmation of godly leaders, godly Christian leaders? Do I have inner peace for this matter? And finally, Has God opened the door wide? All of this will not make you worried. If you think you made a mistake, you're making a mistake, you're afraid to make a mistake. Because as I said, God can take those mistakes. Once you have been willing, obedient, He will take those. And you know what He will do? He will turn them into stepping stones into His perfect will. Let me tell you this short story as I conclude. An English uh, preacher, I have many of his books uh, about the name of F.B. Meyer. Some of you may have heard the name. He was a, a great pastor in London, an evangelist. One day, F.B. Meyer was crossing the Irish Channel. It was dark and starless night. And he was curious. He, he just asked the captain of the ship, he said, uh, how do you know Holyhead Harbor in such a dark night and starless night? And the captain said to him, he said, you see those three lights over there? He could see the lights. He said, those lights at the distance, when all three lights line up together, when they line up straight line, uh, perfect unity, I know exactly the position of the harbor's mouth. And Maya said, I learned a very important spiritual lesson that night. 
To know the will of God, three things have to line up. Inner peace, the Word of God itself, and the need of the hour. What is the secret of knowing and discerning the will of God in your life? Let me ask the question again. We're about to pray, and some of you need to repent. <laughs> what is the secret of knowing and discerning the will of God for your life? Oh, Father, I know it's easily said than done. Because we know the flesh, the world, and the devil work against us. And they're working against us discerning and obeying your will. And Father, I pray for the individuals who may be struggling with that question. And you give them the comfort and the assurance that they need willing obedience. And Father, for those who are kicking against your will, and they're trying to do it on their own, go to business for themselves, I pray in the name of Jesus that you calm their spirits and to have joy in their perfect obedience. Above all, Father, in these difficult days, when we have so many conflicting views and many conflicting teachings and false teaching abound, help us to cling to you more and more and more until we become like Jesus. In his name I pray. All of God's people said amen. Please stand up and bless the Lord in song.